0: Ladies and gentlemen, you're about to experience the Gut Check Project, talking science, health, and innovation that you can actually use. But this isn't just another health show. No, no. We're here to have fun and make your time enjoyable. And you like to have fun, right? Well, while you are enjoying yourself, know that even though the GCP covers some health topics with healthcare pros, we are not your doctors. So use our show to entertain your mind and not for medical advice. And now, here are your hosts of The Gut Check Project, Dr. Ken Brown and Eric Rieger.
1: Hey, Gut Check Project fans and KBMD Health family, welcome to The Gut Check Project. I'm your host, Eric Rieger, Join. By this host with a prodigious mind for innovation. Ken, what's up?
2: Mind for innovation. I love that intro. You left that prodigious. I can't believe that. Prodigious. Yeah. If I knew what it meant, I I would compliment that. I don't know that word either. (laughs) Means huge or enormous. Ah, I love that. Beautiful. Uh, Thank you, Eric, for that intro. Welcome, everybody. Gut Check Project. We are evolving into the new era, Eric. I know that you are fighting this kicking and screaming. But we are going to talk artificial intelligence (laughs) in the field of gastroenterology. Okay. So it's
1: perfect. We're getting back to normal.
2: Yeah, exactly. So we have our guest Ray here. Ray, welcome to the Gut Check Project.
3: Thank you, sirs. I appreciate it. Very honored. Very excited to be here.
2: Nice. So you are representing ANX Robotics, uh, which happens to be located right here. Right here in your backyard. In our backyard, Plano, Texas. So... Since we're going to be talking about AI, I went ahead and took the liberty of getting your bio from ChatGPT. <laughs> so this ought to be interesting. Let's see what ChatGPT says. So obviously, my my prompt was, uh, you know, tell me all about uh, Ray Benjamino at ANX Robotic Corporation. So from ChatGPT, Ray Benjamino has held various sales and leadership positions across different organizations. Here is a summary of his professional background based on the information gathered. Ray Benjamino is associated with ANX Robotica Corporation as the senior director of sales for the Americas, based in Dallas, Texas. He served as the vice president of sales at ResTech and was part of the leadership team directing all product sales for ResTech. Additionally, Ray held the position of vice president of sales for OUS Americas and Asia at Madeira. R.F. Yeah, Ray graduated from Old Dominion University in Norfolk with a Bachelor of Science degree in Marketing and Business Administration. Ray is a scratch golfer. No.
0: Ray that's is the owner and
2: founder of On Point Golf, which we will discuss. <laughs> uh, Ray has won three national championships in the Great Brisket Cookoff, despite being a vegan
3: <laughs> no, that one that's total gpt <laughs> he
2: was the second runner-up on dancing with the stars <laughs> twice I, I don't know i, I mean, love this i i realize I, i'm starting to question this whole ai stuff because yeah. i know that you were only second runner-up once yeah, okay once. so i'm sort yeah. of doubting the ai off the jump right
1: now i i think i know Where Kamala Harris gets her script. (laughs) Just saying.
0: That's brilliant.
2: And off camera, we are joined (laughs) by uh, his amazing medical device salesperson, Abigail Van Alstein, who will be commentating from the... From the bleachers. From the bleachers. Yeah, from the. Gal- <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it was gallery or galley or bleachers. She's in,
1: or- she, she's in the audience. Yeah, she's in the audience. She's she's, <laughs> she's in in the our audience. studio audience. So she, she's in
2: our studio audience. I love that. <laughs> Ray, welcome.
3: Oh, thanks, guys. This is really fun, and an honor. It really is. First of all, to meet you, meet you uh, as well, Eric, for the first time. Uh, I've had a blast these two days, and I look forward to our future collaborations uh, in, in all aspects of of our business.
2: So it, it seems pretty fortuitous that my good friend Abigail ended up uh, becoming a sales associate for you in my backyard, and you're doing AI and robotics in my space. Yes. So, let, let the, I mean, tell me.
3: Elaborate a little bit a, on that. A little right? bit on that. I, it's funny that you bring that up, because when I was searching for my next superstar, Abby was, was brought to me by another good friend of mine in the business, Victorino, who also is a recruiter now in the med device world. So he helped help find the best candidates. And the first conversation that we had, your name came up and I said, that name rings a bell, but I don't know. I can't put a finger on where I met this, this gentleman, this physician, and she had nothing but incredible things to say about you. And of course, you know, held the carrot out there that she would get us in your, your
2: group first. <laughs> if you Hopefully. hire me, you can go on his podcast. Yeah,
3: pretty much. No, it, <laughs> it was a, it was a wonderful transition because she was so, so respectful of, you know, the you relationship over the last 12 years plus and ha- holds you in the highest esteem. So that, that means something to me because relationships in our world are everything. And if you don't have strong relationships, you're never going to be a good salesperson, sales leader et cetera, et cetera. So it was a very easy decision for me to decide to bring her in. And I'm not regretting it. I haven't regretted it from day one. And I'm, I'm expecting big things out of her, putting a little pressure on her here, but, but she's already killing it. You know, this like, you know, your experience yesterday, we've been having that all over the country in a very short period of time. Uh, so I'm really excited about sharing all that with you here today. You know if we if we can get it all in. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, walk us walk us through it. So I mean, uh, we're talking about this technology that's GI and AI integrated. We're talking about two different technologies, or at least one discipline of of healthcare. Yep. And another one that is now, I guess, today's day and age, latest
3: in the future. And in, in 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 the, the future. future of Correct. medical device, medical care, the whole nine yards.
1: 100%. So how kind of, how do these two things fit together first of
3: all? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. And, and I was searching for something like this myself. I've been in the medical device sales world for 30 years. Uh, and that that lovely uh you know overview of my history doesn't even go back the, all 30 years. You know, I've been seeking a startup company or a you know innovative technology that would, you know, just take it to the promised land. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like I've found it here with ANX. Uh, maybe I'll give you a little bit of history of ANX because it's exciting, really revolutionary in how it was born. Um, so our three co-founders, uh, Joe Zhao, David Duan, and Kevin Ruby, come from completely separate backgrounds. David and Joe were in the optics world. Uh, they met in college at University of Central Florida, and they're I guess there was their third graduate PhD program. These are very smart guys. And then Kevin Ruby founded the company or helped found the original company that invented the capsule, given imaging. Okay. Um, And they didn't know each other. That's the best part of the story. David and and Joe were in in, uh, Silicon Valley at the time and they were looking for something to get into, you know, and they were in the optics, optics side of things. So they found capsule endoscopy. They found you know, basically GI endoscopy, and they saw that there was a technology that was you know basically the only game in town. One company given, and nothing had changed about it in the twenty-five years that it had been invented. I
1: mean, and, for, and for capsule endoscopy, we're talking about a patient swallows or has one implanted, and it takes pictures as it goes all throughout the all GI throughout tract. the small bowel. Yeah. So,
3: so just a little background. Yeah, you know, in order to get a full view of the digestive tract, you mm-hmm. either have to do as he does every day, scoping, or a colonoscopy. Mm-hmm. But it can't get all the way through because of the however many feet you'd know better than I do of of the of the digestive tract. A small bowel is an area where you can't image, uh, or you couldn't image until the capsule was invented. Mm-hmm. So that was groundbreaking at the groundbreaking. time. Groundbreaking, yeah, and yeah. and that's what you know we're excited about. We think we have the next potential given imaging with what we've. Entered the market as a groundbreaking AI solution. Um, so, you know, they were, they saw the need. They saw something that needed to be improved. And the original idea was to take a magnetic system and steer a capsule, even before the small bow piece of it came into, or the AI piece of it came into play. And that is also incredible technology because for the first time you could. From outside the body, steer a capsule inside the body or a camera mm-hmm. without needing a scope. Um, the problem in the world of medical device and in healthcare, if insurance doesn't pay for something, yeah, you, know, you could have the cure for cancer and it won't it won't get adopted very quickly. Um, but you know they forged on. They this is back in two thousand and eight. They started this company for their, you know, for the the real neat union if you will that came together was given imaging was sold to Covidian which is a which was a big medical device company at the time that was later bought by Medtronic and Kevin Ruby was basically you know retired because he was the chief operating officer of Given um so they got together David and Joe you know reached out to Kevin and they put together this new company and it was Ancon at the time the, the hard part of the story is in 2008, as you guys will f- probably, you know, remember, the market crashed in the housing market. So, you know, funding dried up. So they were in Silicon Valley thinking everybody was going to invest in this technology, but nobody was investing in any new, new medical device technology at the time. So they took it uh, to their homeland. Joe and David are, are both <laughs> Chinese Americans, mm-hmm. but they've been in the U.S. for 30 years. Uh, so they just went back, family, friends and family money and then got involved with uh SoftBank of China which is one of the largest private equity companies in the world and convinced them to put some money in and our company was born. Um the best part about it is Kevin and 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 his knowledge of given imaging had all the tools to put together the next potential given imaging. And he was outside of his non-compete at that point and um and, uh, the patents that given imaging had on capsule and all technology related were expiring. So we had a window that we could launch this company and that's how, that's how ANX and a- ANCON, ANCON and ANX are sister companies. ANX is our U.S.-based company and ANCON is our Chinese-based
2: company. Okay. So the capsule <laughs> technology existed and I've been doing capsule since they were actually launched and, but... The timeline of this, when did the AI, uh, when did you guys start, or when did those guys start realizing that AI had a potential to be integrated with this?
3: Uh, it was early on. It was very early on, but what, what it takes, as you know very well from, from your world of, of clinical study, you know, componentry to, to med device, you have to study. You have to create clinical evidence that things work. Uh, so they were they were launching the technology in China, uh, mainly, um, Doc, because uh, gastric cancer is a huge problem in in Asia. Uh, So the magnetic portion of it was a huge hit there because there wasn't enough gastroenterologists, not enough scoping facilities and however many billion people in China and a lot of them developing gastric cancer. So our magnetic system took off. We have over a thousand units in China right now alone operating every day. Buying and selling and using capsules, mm-hmm. so that was creating a, a a bank, if you will, of images of patients, and that became what was utilized to train the AI. Oh, okay. so it just took a while for that to develop because you need you need that you need a you need more than an n of one patient. You need lots of patients. Sure. So we we ended up uh, putting together a clinical study that that was uh, comprised of close to 5,000 plus patients, 13 or or 12 or 13 facilities in China. And then over 113 million images helped us teach the software to save him time and money when he looks at a study.
1: And we're going to stop this particular podcast for a special invitation. This invitation is to join the Gut Check Project Raw locals community. We all are tired of the bullshit where we turn for great information, who we can trust, and essentially we want to put a stop to that.
2: There's a lot of bullshit out there and I know about that because I'm a butt doctor. We're here to build this community to bring trust back to you. There is a lot of shit
1: out there. There's a lot of stuff being censored, and it stops here with our community. And I'm a gas passer, which means I put this guy's patience to sleep. I know that you don't want to be filled up with any hot air. Ultimately, we want you to connect with us. Ask us questions. Let's build a community around trust. No more bullshit. So if you're watching or listening on Rumble, click that red join button in the bottom right over here, and that will take you directly to GCP Raw. We're super excited for you to join. I mean, seriously, it's going to be pretty cool. It is going to be, dude, it is going to be cool, but it's hot as hell in here right now. Are
2: we done? Well, i sure we just walk off?
1: Paul, that's it.
2: Yeah, so basically what we're talking about here, if you're listening, um, you won't see this, but what I'm going to be holding up here is a, I mean, what is that about? Three quarters of an inch. Yeah, Three quarters of an inch. I
3: think it's uh, seventeen millimeters. Yeah, maybe at, at best size of a large uh, fish oil tablet.
1: Yeah, but so length, think of it like a fish oil length tablet. Length of your of your last uh, thumb digit. Yeah,
2: yep, that's good so. That. What this has is incredible technology. Now, the when this came out, when Given came out with their capsule technology, it was it seemed like science fiction at the time. The problem is, as a physician, so if we to all the gastroenterologists that watch this, you understand. That when you swallow, when you have a patient swallow this, what they do is they walk around and then it just films for 8 to 12 hours. Then that video is uploaded over a series of quite a while. I mean, it's, a, yeah. I think, at least hour, two hours. Oh, the upload thing.
3: time. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, a, just that's that. a very, very good point. That hadn't changed in yeah, that, 26 years. <laughs> yeah, that, It takes that a couple hours changed, to upload yeah. 30-some thousand images. And then
2: the doctor sits in front of a camera when he's usually... After work, tired. after scoping all day, tired, and you watch what could potentially be eight hours worth of film, there are ways to speed it up. So at the best, it could be a two and a half, three hour read. If it's a really fast transit time, you're excited when it's only an hour and a half right. where you're reading everything and you're hoping that you're seeing all these images and a little blip comes up. So a lot of my patients always ask, you know, I've, I want that capsule. And I'm like, the capsule is specifically really for the small bowel. And we'll segue later into how the capsule could be for the stomach the way that it's being used in China. But what the AI technology allows it to do by using those images that were gathered,
0: Mm
2: -hmm. uh, it allows it to know what is a benign lesion, meaning ignore that or pay attention to this. And it's able to find patterns. And when you came and talked to me about this, that's that's how we were taught to read these capsules. I put mine on a four-square deal, and you just sort of stare. And <laughs> anything that is slightly different, you stop. Yeah, and you go oh. back and forth, and go, "What is that?" And then you stare, and essentially, the brain becomes the AI of what's different. Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's all it is. And so, perfect I, analogy. It, uh, th- that's how that's how we're taught. There were, the thing I love about it is the ability to distinguish. And when you have that number of images. When we say AI, I want to kind of get into that a little bit because this is groundbreaking for gastroenterologists because what this allows us to do is a whole lot more of these in a time-efficient manner, and we can gather a lot more data. And the more that we do, obviously, the more data that we have. You know, we talk about AI, but with AI, um, the AI needs to be trained, and this is called machine learning. Yep. Now, when you have a lot of that machine learning, this is talking about machine learning. It's a method of supervised learning using training algorithms that enables machines or software to learn how to make decisions using the data to make accurate predictions. So comparing it to the human version of it, and then when you have a lot of that, then you can take it to the more complex form of machine learning into deep learning correct and according to your website what because of the data that you have now we've gone from the simple ai machine learning to deep learning because of this data can you explain that a little bit
3: yeah exactly so we we call it conv- convolutional neural network training yeah you know, that's a fancy word for everything you just said in terms of you know how it's specialized in identifying so it's 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 not a continuously learning ai so that's important to understand it, meaning it's not always adapting which i think is good because once it's trained to identify you know the normal pathology and the abnormal pathology in the small bowel there's really no reason for it to continue to to learn unless something new becomes A pathology that we're not aware of in the small bowel. I just want to pause on that for one quick second because
2: Eric and I have actually talked about this, that these continuous learning AIs like ChatGBT, Claude, those can be manipulated because as it learns, if if the wrong information is given to it, it will then perceive that as the right move to make. You don't want medical software to be continuously learning. Exactly. Because that could go down a rabbit hole and then you're in in a wrong space.
3: And you don't want it to be the, the doctor. You don't want it to diagnose. You want it to assist you and make you more accurate. And your analogy of you sitting and looking at four squares and focusing your attention on that screen and not moving your attention, that's almost impossible for a human being to do. I mean, all three of us have sat here at some point and gone with, a, with our glass of water, taking a sip and guess what you just did? You just took your eye off of the screen. So if you had not hit that pause button, you could have potentially missed something. You know, the AI or the software that's trained that we have, it doesn't sleep. It doesn't need to take its eye off of anything. It's never distracted. So it's your backup. It's your security blanket. It's your insurance policy that as long as you are seeing what is important to see, you're going to be more accurate. You know, and and let's face it, you know, the the world of GI is a busy place. You guys sometimes work 12 hour days, right? Um, But what's most important to you? Number one, patient care. You want to make sure that you're doing the best job you can at diagnosing what your patient has so that they can get better. Number two, saving time because those 12 hours can go by quickly and you don't have 24 hours you don't have 25 hours in a day yeah you can only do so much so if any technology can can help you save time that's huge to a gastroenterologist and then let's face it we're all in the business to make money and to maximize our profitability so if you can save time and be doing something you know as productive or equally productive or more productive meaning more scoping more patients to see in a day you know more office organization financial you know management whatever the case is you know our technology brings that to the table for you because to your point you had to sit and waste not waste but you had to sit and spend many hours reviewing this and let's face it why would you want to sit and look at 30,000 images because that's all you could do up until now, and 90% of those images are normal or duplicates because, it, you know, some something about the technology, you, you were holding up the camera, all, all capsule companies that are in the space today have pretty much the same type of technology. There's a few variations, a few very good technologies that are somewhat different, but all of them are just snapping pictures, anywhere from six seconds to twelve six frames to twelve frames per second. So imagine the capsule just kind of slowly trekking its way through the small bowel, and you're just getting the same picture, the same picture, the same picture in, in each you know, millimeter that it's going. So our technology was trained to not eliminate it, but just remove it from the need for you to view. And that's the power of AI. Well, I think it's interesting because a gastroenterologist is actually
2: judged when we're doing colonoscopies by what is known as our adenoma detection rate. So all of us have an adenoma detection rate. How many precancerous polyps do I find? What is the standard? Are you above? Are you below the standard? And because of that, at our center, I take great pride that all our doctors at our center are way above the national average, and that adenoma detection rate is not just the doctor controlling the scope. It's the CRNA who's looking at the screen. It's the tech who's looking at the screen. And Everybody's working as a team. Everybody's <laughs> working as a team and their eyes. And they're like, stop. Stop. What's that? Stop. What's that? Everything about this AI to me is my team. Go yeah. stop. Look. Just look again. It might be nothing, but just look. Yeah, absolutely. And it just, that is what's really interesting and fascinating to me.
3: Yeah. Well, our our mission is obviously not to replace your skill set and your specialty. It's to make you as, make you as efficient as we can and to help you be more accurate. But at the end of the day, you, you're the one that knows what you're looking at. You're the one that knows, you know, if it's something that needs to be intervened or, you know, therapeutically dealt with. And that's the beauty of this. You know, we're not trying to take money away from anybody. We're not trying to take Specialty away from, we're just an enhanced technology that hasn't been available up until now, uh, and and obviously is it's better for the patient because their outcome, you know, and, that, and God forbid, you know, we're in a litigious world if that's the right word, you know, if you miss something, you're the one that's going to be on the carpet being called to it. So this helps you, you know, improve that or decrease that potential that you miss something and then it goes on to be cancerous and, you know, somebody sadly passes away.
1: The whole point of a GI exam is to either stop disease, discover disease, or at least find out that you're healthy. So it only makes sense that if this improves, what I'm hearing is this is an an immense improvement in acuity. And just like you said, it doesn't replace Ken, for instance, looking at the gut mucosa at any point. But what it does do is make certain that if anything should be recognized and at least evaluated, it's going to enhance that ability to bring it to the physician's frame of mind so they can then do what they should do. Yeah. And that's fully evaluated.
3: Yep. Absolutely.
1: Because whenever you're doing the scope, can I mean, the entire time, though, the whole journey through, even when we're doing a live colonoscopy, even though it's still the best way to do it instead of, like we've talked about, some other, you know, shitting in a box or... Any of the other,
2: we did a whole episode on ColoGuard. Yeah. And <laughs> every right, time well. we, every time we like, just all we do is do pros and cons on things. We did Ozempic, we did ColoGuard, and we just keep getting shadow banned because you can't <laughs> say anything. Yeah. So,
1: oh yeah. And, and you don't have to dig through your poop. Thank you yeah. for the audience for letting us know about that. We don't have to dig through poop to do colonoscopies. But, there, well, you do, but we, do, we don't. There,
2: um, what, what the bleacher. Fan is saying over here our studio audience is that there is another company that you have to retrieve the capsule and through after oh, you do it.
1: Yeah, I'm going to stop making comments on stuff I don't know about. <laughs> yeah, but, but also,
2: but no, but it's but it's totally true. The um, the a couple things I want to touch on right now. So if somebody's listening to this, they're like, "Well, do I need a capsule?" So the reasons why, as a gastroenterologist, we would order a small bowel capsule exam would be unexplained anemia. So if you are bleeding for any reason, sometimes it could be that you're bleeding massively and we can't find it. Somebody gets admitted to the hospital and you know, we've got, you've know got friends that have gone through this where you start chasing, where's this bleeder? And so a bleeding, something that is possibly bleeding, anemia. Anybody with celiac disease, we consider doing this because you're at risk for other lesions like lymphoma and things like that. People with small bowel disease like Crohn's is another one. Sometimes when you have unexplained pain, unexplained weight loss, these are all reasons that your doctor may want to look in your small bowel and see. And the more we do, the more we find reasons because we're like, oh, wait a minute. Celiac isn't necessarily just in the first part of the duodenum. We're seeing it in the jejunum now or things like that or, oh, my gosh. That nonspecific abdominal pain that you've been put on an antidepressant because you've been called irritable bowel is actually a Crohn's stricture way down in your jejunum or possibly in the proximal ileum where the colonoscope doesn't reach. So there's reasons. And if, and I'm going to say this politely, if it would be easier to do it through insurance and easier on the physician side, I
3: think we would do a whole lot more. Yeah, no question. And so that's a great point. Yeah. And, and yeah, the, yeah, the whole clinical necessity aspect of med medical or the medical world, you know, insurance wise, especially is, is the hardest part because, you know, we would love to do more if insurance would just pay for it. Yeah. So you, you, you're spot on. You, you have to have the most lock solid, justifiable reason to do this. And if, you know, you really do, or they'll deny the claim. And you've had that happen probably a number of times. and It's happening.
2: The, I want to say it's the worst it has ever been. And once one insurance company says, well, we, we need, we're going to put up a roadblock and a hurdle. We just want to see how how serious you are about trying to get this particular procedure done. The more hurdles get put up and then the other insurance companies do this. And then it just becomes this. This jumping through hoops thing that you're like, well, I guess it doesn't meet those criteria, but I really want to know. I mean, this patient has a family history of Crohn's disease. They're acting like it. Everything I've gotten doesn't look like it. Doing a capsule endoscopy where I can see some small ulcers would make a huge difference. We can get in front of the disease before it ends up being too obvious.
3: That's exactly it. I mean, and that's what is infuriating to me as an executive in the medical device world how much blinders the medical directors of insurance companies have mm-hmm. you mentioned my other two companies Mederi and, and Restech uh, we had a technology your your good friend and, and partner Jay Yapuri and and my good friend and and my champion and
2: also former guest
0: yeah former oh guest. yeah Jay yeah. I, know, I yeah. love
3: that uh well, we got to talk about that if we see him tonight um, but uh, yeah he is of the same mindset that you are and that's why i'm so excited about meeting you and being being involved with you because i can see that you're just not the average gastroenterologist you're not you're not you're saying i'm a below average no you're you're (laughs) way above average you're not the guy that's clocking to do his 12 (laughs) egds and then go home yeah you're looking constantly for ways to improve patient care and if the insurance companies would just understand that if ai is going to make you that much better, and you're already good, but make you that much better, which is going to translate to potentially finding things or not missing something that will lead to traumatic, tremendous cancer-related care that is, guess what, going to cost the insurance company tenfold what it would pay cost to, to do a simple diagnostic test. It's infuriating, but it's, you know, it's what Jay and I dealt with for 10 years trying to adopt our technology strata, it could never get insurance approval. And, you know, it, and it was the most minimally invasive treatment for reflux disease, which is one of the biggest, you know, one of the biggest you know, conditions that you, you face and deal with every day. So it's, it's just about changing mindsets. I'm hoping that AI brings that to light, you know, and and demonstrates to the insurance companies that, you know, that this is a tool that, is really going to help us save money and and to, to our good friend Abby's over here in the audience with her whiteboard saying, you know, what is it doing for the patient? It's hopefully improving care.
1: You know, something else, and I know this is kind of a, a sidebar, but thro- using the term AI, it's, it's used so much now as it's kind of a hot button topic, depending upon where most people want to intercept it or they think that they will come across it. But really, in this instance, it's not like what we see in the news. This or hear about on podcast or hear about what people want to avoid. Oftentimes, people, people hear AI and it's about how is this technology going to mimic humans?
3: Yeah, or, or replace.
1: <laughs> yeah, or, or develop emotion and think critically. And really what you're doing, in my opinion, is bringing a technology that's the best aspect of AI working with humans to really enhance life for no patients. Question.
3: That's so well said, Eric. I mean, that, that's our mission statement. That's our story. Yeah. You know, we're, we are, and and back to your question about, you know, how it was born and what, you know, what was involved in the development of it. We weren't trying to, you know, let a machine figure it out. We were comparing it to the Ken Browns of the world. Mm-hmm. So There was a panel of experts in Asia that were reading, that read thousands of capsules a year and that panel was was basically put to the test or our ai was put to the test against those experts and that was what was so rewarding and so you know incredibly positive about the outcome is the the experts were good you know they were they were 90 you know 7% you know good at, at not missing something or if it was negative it was negative if it was positive it was a positive no negative no false negatives or false positives I mean. Um, So the AI in head-to-head competition in our study demonstrated that we were slightly better or we were slightly more accurate. But once again, it still falls in the hands of the doctor to make that final call.
2: So in the studies that were published, there was 113 million images from over 5,000 patients per lesion analysis, Mm -hmm. per anything seen. The sensitivity and negative predictive value of this capsule I'm holding here, is 99.9% and 100% respectively. So just slightly below that was the panel of experts. experts. This is very reassuring in the sense that number one, it's not a situation where gastroenterologists are gonna lose their job because this is the place where this is a perfect spot to help both find subtle things in an area where you're looking for subtle reasons for a problem that isn't obvious on CT or MRI and the endoscopy and colonoscopy. And then the other thing is that as a physician, if something gets missed and God forbid, there's a lawsuit it's well, I reviewed it. How many have you done? I've been doing it since the first capsule was ever done, so I don't, know, I don't want to date myself, but it's been a long time. <laughs> and uh, the second thing is, is that we employed AI technology based on this science, and this was here. So, um, no, I believe that we did everything in our power to find the lesion. Unfortunately, it probably developed after this capsule was done. Just saying this in the sense that from a physician, yeah, first is do no harm. Second is if harm is done, are you at fault? Right. And here, this is just another layer of protection. It's a safety net, which that's, is what
3: I like about I, it. I love, that's a perfect statement, perfect saying. Uh, that's yeah. Please write that down because I think we, need <laughs> just, we need to start using that. <laughs> safety nets are good, right? I mean, if, it's like anything else. I mean, look look at driving a Tesla right now. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna trust a Tesla, but yeah, at the end of the day, you still have to be the guy behind the and the gal behind the wheel. Sure. Um, Yeah, one of the beauties of our our study, we're not a one and done company, and we're not a one and done study. You know, that was a very robust study, one of the biggest I've ever read. And I do a lot of clinical research before I decide to get into anything, and I couldn't find any other AI driven study, including. In, you know X you know in, in radiology or in orthopedics or any other specialty nobody had the breadth or the, the you know the, the size of a, of a study that this company that had so that encouraged me uh, but then they you know they didn't stop there they followed it up and they did the same study in in Europe and that's getting ready to be published uh, It's not as large of a population uh, so let's comment on that
2: really quick just so that everyone's aware of this. In China, and Japan actually, gastric cancer is the most common cancer, and you screen for it the way that we screen for colon cancer. So, if w- epigenetics, genetics, and environment, uh, one of those three. Diet, the whole nine yards. Yeah, right? the, the whole nine yards, the incidence of gastric cancer is the way that we screen for colon cancer. So, we find polyps, they find early gastric lesions, And they're able to remove those early gastric lesions. And so if somebody says, well, how'd they get so many patients? It's because, my goodness, that's the best place to do it. Like, pretty damn lucky that the two guys that were involved were actually of Chinese descent and had the ability to go back to China to relaunch it during a recession here. Yeah, no question. And then happened to be in an environment where everyone needs to swallow one of these capsules.
3: Yeah, no question. Or
2: everyone needs an endoscopy, ideally, but we all know that that requires manpower and Everything gets capsule, go home, capsule, go home, come back in eight hours, capsule, go home.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny, Ken, because w- when I was doing my research to get into this, this opportunity, and I say this to all my new hires and my candidates that I'm interviewing, you don't find, and you've been in this business a long time, both of you have, you don't find technologies that come around that are that dramatically different, that impactful, that innovative. So when you do, you really got to kind of, you know, resist your 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 tendency to, to resist change. Right? Think outside the box. That's what I like about this guy. That's why I want to you know, get him involved in what we're doing because I see that in his nature and in his drive because that's going to be part of how we launch. We have to have people that are endorsing it, not even endorsing it, just giving us credibility, testimonial-wise, uh, what Paul is doing. Uh, am I supposed to read that? Hold on. No, no, I think that's <laughs> oh. <laughs> you're, you're distracting me, Abby.
2: <laughs> uh. All right, so the uh, the the bleacher whiteboard over there, just just say for Eric for. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, you're pretty good at that, though. I got to admit, uh, t- uh, telling us what to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a, that's our wives, <laughs> right? No question. <laughs> and I met her husband today for the first time on speakerphone, and he uh, sound he sounded pretty solid. And he let us borrow his truck today instead of her tiny little car. So. Nice.
2: And we were talking we were talking yesterday when we talk about technology like this. Since you and I have seen, and this happens in the medical field, and the bleeding edge pretty much sums this up. Just because you can, should you? Now, when I talk about the bleeding edge, you go ahead and explain that with the. With have the, you ever uh, seen
1: Bleeding Edge on Netflix? I don't think I have, no. Uh, what they demonstrated were different devices that were used, they're medical devices, that basically, because of a previous technology that basically fit a category, without full evaluation through the FDA, they basically were granted oh, the yeah. ability for their use. In humans and
3: predicate device,
1: exactly predicate device uh, policy, and basically they would get to three or four generations removed from the original approval, and it led to things like uh, cobalt being used in orthopedic uh, implements and replacements of hips. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until they had some people who were who were suffering uh, mental uh, cognition issues, and nobody could put their finger on it until. One of the very orthopedic surgeons that was implanting them had it done to him, and then suddenly he couldn't think. And then he That's suddenly kidding. said, wait a second, This what I have is... What's the I'm correlation? In, I'm, yeah. I'm exhibiting cobalt uh, toxicity, and then he had it removed, and then he was fine, and then they went back and did that, and I think it was Depew was was who it was uh, that was named in that suit. But anyway, and they, they went through that and with two other uh, devices, but I think where you're going is... Using an old technology, do no harm. I mean, the capsule is quite safe. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about moving in that vein and getting approval for a device like this with an added technology like AI to it.
3: You mean like in, this, in the sense of contraindications or no. uh, well, complications?
2: No. So what I'm saying is like we've, we've talked about different different companies that have developed technologies mm-hmm. um, and you know, I've... Early on in my career, I was one of those people that jumped off every every springboard and said, that looks cool. Let me try it until I have, <laughs> oh, you yeah. know, until you end up getting a couple of wake up calls
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> and you're like, oh my goodness, no, this is just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yep. This falls into a whole different category to me, which is just because we can, why aren't we all the time? Because it's, it elevates a safe old device mm-hmm that is completely different than new technology in the sense that it's it's using this leveraging where I'm moving around certain FDA regulations to get something put in there. This is the exact same capsule that I have used in patients for over 10 years, except it's added this level of security. And so this is more of now that we have it, we have to.
3: Yeah. So w- with our technology, we we've tried to, you know, not dramatically impact change as much as we could. So we replicated the given imaging platform as I mentioned earlier. You know, there, There's no patents that say you can't. So we made the, the, the learning curve for you very simple. We made the reliance on AI completely up to you. Uh, what's beautiful about our technology is you can still look at it in the way that you've been trained and how you do it today and you get the overlay of the AI, much like you do in the GI Genius uh, technology that you were talking about. Yeah, well, I mean, um, we can
2: comment on that real quick. GI good. Genius uses AI for colonoscopy. My experience with that is is not as good because the numbers aren't as robust as what you guys are showing up with. Correct. And it. It is just too. It's it's just a series of lots of green boxes popping up everywhere, and you're just like, oh. And if you're a new gastroenterologist, it's going to take you two hours to do a colonoscopy. Yeah. You're like, What's that? What's that? What's that? What's that? What's that? What's that? And so when I, because we were one of the sites to trial GI Genius in the DFW Metroplex, and as it turns out, the polyp detection rate amongst our doctors at our center, and we're a high volume center. Yeah. Um, I think was like nominally more, two or three percent more with GI Genius versus us just doing it. But the it time took, more time, took right? more time, and also it's a cost that we decided as a group that that doesn't that doesn't incur. What it did do for us is go, oh, that two to three percent was on one person. Hey, here's an idea. Why don't you just um, take a little more time on your way out so that you do this and so we were we were equal yeah. to that and it cost more and it it created more time yours in 113 million images five thousand patients slightly superior to a panel of experts which is exactly where i want it to be i don't want i mean if it's better that's perfect so it's slightly superior and it decreased the time so it's the exact opposite of that. So I'm exactly not bashing, right. GI genius, oh, yeah. bashing GI genius, kind of bashing GI genius because we didn't take him on, you know, yeah, yeah. and we did a, we did a six month trial with them. But, um, this is, and it
3: adds cost. And so their,
2: the so their cost component. was significant. Yours is not an added cost, which is also fascinating. Yeah. And that probably helps that the way that the business model, it's like, it's like all things. Like we end up in a room like this through a series of events, some events, Seemed good, some events seemed bad, but we're here now and it's awesome. 2008, housing market made two guys go back to China. They end up doing it, and then a little tiny bank called SoftBank decided to back them, which allowed them to take the time to build this. Yeah. And so it's all, it, if, you, if you look at it from 30,000 foot view, it makes sense.
3: Yeah, it makes total sense and, and it's, it's so invigorating and exciting. You know, I think the future that our company has, because we're not a one-trick pony. You know, we have this, which is taking the country by storm. Abby and I have been doing this for only a month, you know, and she's already developing the excitement level that she's developing here with you guys in, in Dallas. I've only been really selling it officially since January. Uh, so we're just at the just bare minimum of our commercial launch, the excitement. We've already got 30-plus accounts that are using it on a daily basis, uh, and there's and there's so many other things, Ken or Doctor Brown that so that are in yeah we're the gonna, pipeline
2: now. I want to talk about the pipeline, but one last thing. So in case somebody's listening to this and be like, "Well, that's kind of weird," he's he's seems to be endorsing it. Well, I'm kind of endorsing it because yesterday you two were kind enough to show up at my office, and I swallowed this capsule, not this one, but um that would.
3: Not that one, yeah. yeah you didn't collect that one, one out of your. Yeah, I did, your, yours yeah. went into the uh, the sewage system here in yeah, Plano, Texas. So
2: the yeah, so the Plano, <laughs> Texas sewage system has a bunch of these. I swallowed this, um, easy to swallow, no big deal. Filmed my small bowel, my stomach, and my small bowel, and read it, and I read it right before this podcast. Literally sitting here, just looking at it, and it took all of about three minutes to read. Because, but now, my honestly, three minutes is a stretch. It it basically took like a minute and a half. But I've read <laughs> thousands of these, so I I knew, I knew what I mean. Briefly, I just scanned through it and said, nope, nothing there. And then I let AI do it, and then AI picked up things that that it found. The only thing that's weird is I had an almond-looking thing that followed me from my <laughs> stomach, and I didn't eat any almonds, so I don't know what that was. That was
3: lodged somewhere, and it got dislodged. I possibly guess. By the I, guess the, I don't know. It's, uh,
2: it's, maybe it was giving me my, my superpowers, and now I've removed this one magic almond that I've been carrying around yeah. my whole life. You
1: have enteric almonditis? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't
2: know.
3: That's a great medical term. You just came <laughs> up with it. almonditis.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, so... Uh, what we're talking about here, which is I love, is that you said you'd come on the podcast and you came a day early and said I want you to do it, and, I'm, and I did. Piece and of cake. We're grateful
3: for you to do that.
2: And, and as a gastroenterologist, I read it myself and looked at it, and it was super easy, and obviously the learning curve changes a little bit, like it always does, but I've um, probably the maximum read time would be seven minutes if it's the first or second one you've done. And so as gastroenterologist watching this, it's it, This is definitely a game changer here. This is not GI genius in a capsule. This is something a little bit different.
1: I got a question for both, for both of y'all. You with the technology and you being the practitioner who uses this technology, I think most people listening can kind of grasp how you know as the physician where you are when you're looking with a scope because you know how far the scope is in and roughly the location of where that camera is at the tip of the scope to know where... When someone swallows a capsule, how does the technology kind of communicate back to you the location in the small bowel of where the things are? Wow. Interesting.
3: So, yeah, I'm smiling ear to ear. <laughs> but, uh, well, why don't you take that question first? And then I I'll, will take my knowledge it. How do you do it, it now? I
2: will take it. my knowledge of it. So this is, so what Eric's talking about is, what good is this? So, uh, Mrs. Johnson, we know you're bleeding. We know you're bleeding about three and a half hours into your small bowel. I kind of think it might be around here. There is a rough mapping system over here. And what I mean by that is is that the original company that did this tried to have some sort of location about where it is. And it was profoundly off all the time Um, because you'd see it in one section. It'd be in the right lower quadrant, right lower quadrant in a second. and All of a sudden it'd be in the upper left quadrant and it can't do that by nature. And so it was wild. So we, we all just kind of laughed that off as there's no real way. And so part of the problem that we always had is we found something. We think it's three and a half hours in everybody's motility is completely different. Stomach emptying time could be three hours. I've had capsules that sat in the stomach for eight hours, never even made it into the small bowel.
3: An Ozempic patient, right? Oh,
2: don't even get me started on this. <laughs> this is all se- There we go. We just got shadow banned yeah. again.
0: <laughs> nice job, Ray. Way to go, Ray.
2: <laughs> Every time we just crawl out of that shadow ban.
3: I've not heard that term before, but oh. it's probably not
2: good, right? Yeah. So basically, what ends up happening if somebody has an issue, they just go, I don't like that. Like somebody from Ozempic goes, they did it again. And then they file some sort of complaint. And then. oh, I should use the. Uh, and uh, then you just sort of. You sort of become this island of social media where nobody can see or hear you, and so they call it the shadow band, <laughs> where you're just talking to yourself. But that's okay. Eric and I like talking to each other. We've been here a lot. Yeah. <laughs> we hang out. You've been in shadow, shadow band, band a few times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the um, yes, so the fascinating thing about the this time, is
3: the time location. where
2: the time location you know. is completely inaccurate with the current technology that we're using. I say this because I asked him that exact question Did you really? yesterday. That's why he's smiling
3: ear to yeah, ear. Yeah, Was that a setup? I love it. No, it was we've not. We've never talked we didn't about even that. Talk about no. It. Yeah, but we've we hung out a lot together.
2: We we sometimes he feels the yeah. energy and runs with it.
3: Well, <laughs> and, and maybe this will be a nice segue to your next question about the pipeline. And and I have to at this point, you know, as the senior director of sales, say that there are only certain things I can talk about. You know because of the stage at with at which it's in the fda approval process um, and our compliance officer if he was listening to this would, would be listening very intently to how i phrase things but but we have a very healthy pipeline of of innovation coming that's tied to the capsule and we were very aware of that limitation uh, and many of you you your partners including jay that are the interventional guys so when ken finds that bleeder and says we got to get that fixed immediately. Mm-hmm. They have to go in with a special device, a double balloon endoscopy and find it. And finding it is not easy, as he just explained. Uh, so we've been working on some things and you know, we don't have FDA clearance for this particular technology that I'm referencing. We have FDA we have FDA clearance for our small bowel capsule system. Uh, we, and in full disclosure, we are still going through our final FDA clearance on the AI component. So okay. we, we, we can use it now in evaluation programs, which is what Ken is involved in through GI Alliance. But it's, it's still finishing its final stages of, of clearance. And our magnetic capsule is cleared uh, for both the uh, tethered use, so looking at the esophagus. You know, so you can suspend that capsule in the esophagus and look around without a scope, and then you can you can uh, release it into the stomach and steer it around ma- magnetically for the stomach. So, so, so
2: I want to get into that, so, sorry, I just want to get into uh, that Am that really I getting quick. ahead but of myself? Sorry? Yeah, <laughs> a little bit, I just want to get back so that the gastroenterologists that watch this, they understand that you can't say this, but I can at least speculate that you have some better version of finding an exact location of Correct. where the small yeah. bowel is, possibly using a GPS device like everything else is using.
3: Yes, I will I will go as far as saying that. <laughs> okay, so this is, so the ability
2: to see, uh, read quickly, have the backup, the safety net of AI, and the ability to at least in the future, once you get FDA Very cleared, near future, I will say. Yeah, very near future, be able to say in the, just past the ligament of trites, about a foot away, there is a bleeding AVM arterial venous malformation, Um, I'm going to send to Dr. Yapuri or Dr. Ackerman, my partner, both interventionalists that'll use a double balloon enteroscopy and get there and then cauterize that. And now you no longer
3: have any more bleeds. Is a game changer. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. I I totally agree with that. And I know a lot of interventional GIs through my, my therapeutic world that I lived in prior to ANX. And every one of them has said the same thing. Game changer is the is the coin phrase. Because there's a lot of time that goes into that procedure, as you know. So it's a, if you can improve the accuracy of that, let them get to where they need to get to quickly, it's a game changer. And shout out to those. So one of the reasons why I joined
2: my particular group is a my, my partner, Dr. Marcus Goldschmidt, Mickey Goldschmidt, fantastic. I literally joined my group because during the interview, um, he just started showing me shit that he was doing that was just like and I you know I'm brand new I'm like I'm, I'm interviewing to join the group and I was just like I'm like no you didn't and he goes yes I did and he pulled out x-rays and he was like you know I I made a I made a fishless track here I did a dilation and I did it and I'm just like yeah I'm doing that. I like this. a couple years into it and I was like this is stressful <laughs> this is so I'm getting home really late and people are hurting. <laughs> and yeah. I'm getting, called I'm getting a lot. calls in the middle of the you night. Know, yeah, I think I'm going to really kind of focus on hemorrhoids now. Yeah. That's pretty much what I did. So, love my interventional people, but uh, yeah. God bless
3: them. That's yeah. a hard life. But we're making their lives easier. Yeah. That's, that's what this is all about.
1: I got a question, and that goes back to the magnet you were talking about with the, the look with the capsule and the esophagus. So, once a patient swallows that, are they still awake doing this?
3: Yeah, that's the beauty of it.
1: So they're awake and... Um, and
3: sedation-free.
1: Okay, so sedation-free and being awake, we swallow. What I think is really cool is that you're describing that you could basically suspend this capsule amidst someone being awake and swallowing. And then now you can have the look of what the esophagus looks like Correct. while the patient is awake.
3: Yep. In their normal state, in their normal, normal state, esophageal function. On the, guess, un, guess on the what's anesthesia even, side, you, guess what's even better, Eric? Sorry. You drove yourself to the to the appointment, and right. you got up and you drove out. Yeah, so you're in it. You're in and out in 45 minutes, and you're back to work or at home or whatever the state. You're not, you know, you're not dependent on a, a loved one to take you. Come out of sedation. You know, the, what would you have to deal with now with with endoscopy? So it's just a, a potential game changer, if you will. Sure, you know, for diagnostic purposes. Because, you know, as I mentioned earlier, gastroesophageal reflux disease is the, one of the largest, you know, conditions that, you know, America faces, you know, obesity and, G- and GERD. And this is a, a simple, easy way to, to get that first look at it. So, I think it's
1: really cool because now you can not only have that, but you can have the, the visual of what an awake person looks like without sedation or anesthesia and if there ever is LES compromise from someone who is having anesthesia or sedation, they're not having that while they're having this this uh, magnetic capsule. That is
2: an incredible observation because a lot of times when we still have patients, what we end up doing is sending them for a video esophagram with a capsule to swallow because we want to see what happens when they're actually awake. Yeah, you know, you maybe go. maybe we didn't get a good visualization. Because, That's cool. because you were asleep. That's actually really cool, yeah. yeah. And the other thing is, is that um, the most prescribed medication that um, the most prescribed medication worldwide are these PPIs that are associated with significant side effects now. They're being linked to dementia and osteoporosis, First, things like that. Yeah. So I have all these patients that are trying really hard to get off these medications, but what people don't realize is, is that esophageal cancer has risen over 700% in the last decade. And screening for this is super important. I have actually worked with a couple other companies that have tried to find a capsule for Barrett screening with no control. You're like, I don't know if that Z-line was around. I don't know if that Z-line. It
3: flies down like a... (laughs) It just flies right through
2: and you're sitting there. But the ability to stop and go, okay. So one of the concerns when I'm walking around with my vest wearing this yesterday, both, it's like all things. I said, oh, this is a new AI company that's doing this. Both the techs, the nurses, the CRNAs all had some concern of is this AI that's going to replace me? I'm like, honestly, I think it's going to make us way busier. Yeah. Because if we can actually tell the primary care doctor, look, I know that I'm booked out three months, do me a favor. If you, um, here's this capsule company where I want you to send the patient to this location, we're going to do a magnetic screen. We're going to see if the Z-line looks irregular. Z-line is where the esophagus and the stomach come together. When you have long-term reflux, your body adapts. That old adage, if you can't beat them, join them, the esophageal tissue becomes like stomach tissue, which is perfect because you don't have symptoms anymore. Problem is that in a small percentage of people, it will continue to change and can become cancer,
0: esophageal cancer.
2: Yeah. And so this is an opportunity to sit there and look at that, be able to stop and go, okay, your Z line is normal. And then it doesn't stop there. This is the actual uh, stomach exam. So now yeah. where it was studied in China to screen for the stomach cancers, yeah. you have the ability to do this. Uh, the one thing that I'm a little bit confused from your website, and I've got a little picture of it here, is is it at a facility? Is it? Um, is it done in an endoscopy center? How is this done?
3: Well, that's the beauty of it. It can be done anywhere because it's an outpatient procedure. The billing code for it is actually an outpatient code. Uh, and it, so it does not have to be in the hospital, nor does it have to be in an endoscopy suite. So as, as you have in your, in your center, you have a diagnostic room that has capsule, it has Bravo or pH testing, it has manometry the magnetic capsule technology or system can sit in that room. And that patient can just walk in off the street, have a test done. And I'll I'll expand on what you see as the clinical value because I totally agree with you. That's where I think the lion's share of where we could go with this is going to come from. But it also is a great post-therapeutic or post-medical therapy uh, technology or, or diagnostic test to do. If you do put those patients on PPIs for four months, yeah, and say come back in four months, you could you can quickly drop a capsule on a tether and say, Yep, your esophagus is healed. This is working. And when Stay you say up. on a
2: tether, what does that mean?
3: Well it's it's a it's a it's a little thin tube. It's a it's a rubberish type tube, silicone tube that on one end is a suction cup, much like, you know, for lack of a better description, a rubber. And it goes on the back end of that capsule that you were that you were holding in your hand, and then on the other end there's a, a port for air for a syringe, and you you will have the patient swallow the capsule with the tether. The tether will unravel as it's swallowing, and then it'll suspend because you can hold it in one place. So you, would, so the operator or the doctor or the tech would be outside of the of the patient's mouth holding the tether, and the camera is live. Sorry, the camera is live, uh, so you're watching. To Eric's point, you're watching live video of the lower esophageal what? Lower esophageal what? <laughs> Abby. I'm I, so so. Doctor Brown, we have, our, we have the, our
2: podcast director Abby in the bleachers yeah, there, scolding who's, you. Who's still being? You know, you work for him, right? Yeah, you know, let she, me tell him she, you get closer. I don't think him.
3: <laughs> she, she, she's still actually in training, so we had this. <laughs> while we were waiting for you the other day, I was quizzing them on anatomy and the G E junction that you just described. I said, "What is the other word for it, well, Abby?" I guess the
2: reason why I said tether is that we were talking magnet controlling it. Well, you know, it's, are,
3: it's a combination. So, okay. the, so the beauty of the tether is, and you 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 explained that the downside of the existing capsule for the esophagus. It falls through at a rapid pace. You swallow. Most patients are sitting and most patients are sitting up, uh, so when they swallow it, it just shoots right down and goes through. Mm-hmm. In your video, we barely saw your esophagus. We saw the LES for about a second. And, yeah, then it was in the stomach. Uh, so with the tether, it enables so, you to suspend it. Just just to pause right there for a second. So
2: I'm actually very interested in the natural space, and I'm trying to always think of different things, and I'm trying to de- you know develop something for GERD. I scoped myself. I was going to show you a video of that. Without, went, without sedation? Without sedation. It's a pretty funny video Boy, because, you the, are. <laughs> because the tech forgot to put on the air and I had a bite block in and I was screaming, ah, <laughs> ah. They're like, what's he saying? The other tech Couldn't was talk. like, I don't think you, you set the machine up right. <laughs> Anyways, um, point being, it went right through. Well, as it turns out, I have a three centimeter hiatal hernia that I saw on myself. Like I had pathology. That was completely missed when it just gets swallowed. So No
3: question, yeah. So the the tether allows you to have a extended view, you know, a period of time. It doesn't have to be long. But, but what but the goal can you do that with the magnet also? You can. Uh, so there's the, the the magnetic control is not as as robust in the esophagus because the esophagus is, is a organ that basically collapses on itself. Yeah. Where you can see some advantage with the magnet, and we are we've tested that at Brigham and Women's, I'm sorry, at University of Massachusetts up in Boston, you would have the patient, much like you do a manometry study where you stick a pressure sensor down through the nose, then you have them do a series of swallows. You can do the same with this, the, this design, and the esophagus will expand, and then if they're under the magnet, you can move the, the magnet around while the esophagus is opening and closing. Mm. Um, but it's really just designed to give you a, a quick look at the LES. You know, at that GE junction, is there any redness? Is there any Barrett's esophagus present that's visible? We can't take a biopsy, so that's the limitation. Well, that's why I
2: think it'll generate a ton of business for gastroenterology. Yeah. I think one of the things that could be really cool about this is something called eosinophilic esophagitis, which is a food allergy. And when we're looking at this, one of the treatments that you can do is just take food away and then repeat the endoscopy and see what's going on but what you're talking about is the ability to look at it and see and that is one of those things that we see in young kids also and we, in, in all ages
3: so yeah no it's it's an incredible advancement that i think we're bringing to the table for the first time because capsule endoscopy you know the limitation has always been a it travels on its own you know it and it travels quickly especially through the esophagus so, with the advancement of our and the FDA approval of our tethered capsule, you'll, you're able to suspend the capsule in the distal esophagus and and look around. You have some magnetic control of it if you if you have the magnetic you know, system, yeah. the Navicam MCCe unit, uh, and then you you get a you get a, a bird's eye view of the esophagus without needing a scope, and that's the true advantage of it. Well, the, the beauty
2: is, like, if you have a child that has EOE, eosinophilic esophagitis, and you're trying to determine what food causes it, then you take a food away, like a nut or gluten or soy or shellfish or whatever, you take one of those away, and instead of bringing them back in and put them through an invasive procedure, you just say, okay, we're going to go, and you're going to swallow that thing, the doctor's going to do this, look, and be like, oh, look, we're seeing improvement now. Exactly right. It looks like this is the food.
3: This is exciting. Yeah. It is uh yeah, you know, everything that I've ever strived to do in my career, from a med device standpoint, is minimally invasive, and this is the probably the most accurate form of that in terms of visualization that has come come around in in twenty some years.
1: Well, and as, a, as an <clears throat> anesthesia provider, not every single person needs to go under anesthesia. And if we can find a reason to help avoid that, especially a young kid. That's what I think. Yeah. that's how I think most of us would, would view that
2: Yeah, and we were we talked yesterday about, you know, the the whole thing is that you just when your kid's sick, you're sick, period. Yep. That's all it is.
3: Yep. So, no parent wants their child to be anesthetized. I mean, that's the biggest fear they have. And we're providing a solution for that. Correct. Uh, but you hit on a great point that I'd like to expand on because it's not just children. You know, it's morbidly obese you as a as an advanced endoscopist what's your biggest fear putting a 350 pound person that has a very short you know neck or a wind span, uh, air airway and you're scoping them I under- will I will correct you really quick
2: I don't give a shit. About any of that, he does. I <laughs> care a lot about. You that. care a lot about <laughs> it. Yeah. Exactly.
3: Every, you're you're at the highest risk. Yeah. yeah. The most stressed during a procedure. For He's certain. the one
2: that that looks at me and be like, "Hey, next time this guy's being done at the hospital, all right?"
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Un- unfortunately, no, and nobody wants to have to cancel a case, but sometimes in an outpatient ambulatory surgery center, it's just simply not safe oh. if the BMI is too big, you know. It's wild. Didn't even think of that
2: as a possibility. Somebody comes in and they are considered that they cannot go under anesthesia. And so, okay, look, here's the deal. Um, this person has a defibrillator. This person's on dialysis. This person is morbidly obese. This person has a BMI of 52. We're not going to cancel the case. We are going to use our magnetic capsule on this one. You'll be able to do this unsedated. And it's not a waste of his or your time, his
3: or her, your or your time. No question. Ooh, interesting. And you, and interesting you can also angle. throw patients that are on blood thinners because the another angle. Yeah, the yeah the biggest risk obviously is creating a bleed that you can't stop. So this this helps avoid that, and it's it's really, you know, our mission, you know, to get this technology in your hands so that you have that alternative. Yeah, you know, let's face it. You know, change or, you know, uh, uh, what's the, the best phrase to describe it? Yeah, you know, just, you know, just the, the standard of care. Yeah. You know, it's always been scope, scope, scope. And that makes total sense. And it's been the best thing available. But now you have something else. Yeah. You know, and it.
1: Something occurred to me <clears throat> thinking about the use of the magnets and the positioning of it. Do you currently, right now, with the, pill cameras that you use you're not seeing you're not getting any kind of visualization or sampling around the common bile duct no not at all is that something that you can do is maybe visualize that area or is that
3: you, you can absolutely so that the capsule itself will travel so we we're looking at it in three spaces we're looking at you know f- for the first time ever being able to visualize the esophagus without you know sedation or without a scope visualizing the stomach but then it It's going to pass through the pylorus at some point and go into the duodenum. Mm -hmm. And there is some area there. Duodenum has, you know, some bulb-ish characteristics that give it some space because you need volume. We talked about earlier insufflation of the stomach. You can't really insufflate the duodenum. But there is enough room in there and enough magnetic control that you could spin the capsule around Mm -hmm. and take a look. Cool. You can't get cool. you can't get to the level of an ERCP you know, and the scopes that are adjustable and you can literally turn corners. You, you, know, we, you don't have that type of control with a magnet, but you can get a very rudimentary view of of the the you know, the ducts and the you know the bile ducts and and then one thing that you know we are developing and I can't speak about commercially is the ability to sample the fluids that are in that region, you know, and, and hopefully at some point help better detect pancreatic cancer.
1: <clears throat> okay, so you just said it, pancreatic cancer. Talk about how much of an advantage it would be for you as the clinician to be able to sample right there where you typically can't.
2: Oh, uh, We're getting to the point where we can actually sample fluid, run DNA analysis, and see if there's something atypical. Like, this is an exciting time where this is going on. The problem with something like pancreatic cancer is that many times the imaging that we use can't pick it up until it's too late. So finding it early. So I send a lot of my patients that have a family history of pancreatic cancer, because we don't, there's no real guidelines on this, but it's like, listen, if I'm you, if you're like, if my dad died of pancreatic cancer and I'm and my dad died at 50 and I'm 35, 40, What's the best test I can get? I'm going to send you for an endoscopic ultrasound. But if we can sit there and say, okay, listen, we're going to screen you annually with a capsule that will sample and determine if there's any atypical cells, that's a game changer. Yeah. Huge game changer. Yep. Wild. Yeah. yeah.
3: That's, uh, that's our pipeline.
2: Should
1: we uh, talk about his... Yeah. Really so, awesome other so I timing. Just,
2: I just want to shift gears real quick because, <laughs> you know, you have this interesting thing uh, that uh, you are the founder of On Point Golf, but there's a little bit of a story behind it. And we're going to do a whole podcast on it. So, briefly, give, give you the 10,000 explain, foot
3: view. Explain what that is. So, uh, as you and I have discussed in our initial meetings here this week, I'm an avid golfer. Uh, so, we. We are. I'm always looking as a golfer for tools that will make me better. And one of the limitations in the game of golf is the visual visualization of your putting line on the green when you're waiting your turn to putt. And everybody in the game of golf marks their ball with a coin. A coin is a two-dimensional object. Mm-hmm. So, you know, long story short, a group of friends and I sitting around after several bourbons said, why don't we develop a... <laughs> three-dimensional marker that you know will it will adhere to the, get the the rules of golf so that it's not a tool that is considered you know, illegal or an advantage and give the putter you know a, a, a better view of their line. The funniest part about golf is you sit around waiting you have three other playing partners and you hit a shot and you're waiting to, to make your shot. Most of the time you're just sitting there looking around you know, at the scenery or waiting and watching what the other players are doing. This tool gives you better engagement of your putting line because now you can walk around to the other side of the putt and you can see from 20 feet away a ball marker that, you know, you know I don't know if the cameras are picking this up, but the ball marker is designed like a golf ball. It's just a top third of the golf ball. So we make them in white, we make them in chrome, we make them in, in bright orange, yellow. So it's just a better visualization tool. And three-dimensional, we talked about earlier, You know, you, your your eyes are 3D. You, know, you close your eye, you're, you're 2D, but as soon as you open the second eye, now you have depth perception. Mm-hmm. This gives you a better view depth perception-wise, gives you a better view of the slope it fo- it forces you, as Jim Furick, a good friend of mine, and and co uh, and what we call our brand ambassador, said to me, he goes, "Ray, this this helps me engage better in my putting routine than I ever did before." Yeah. I can. What's
2: fascinating is if we had Andrew Huberman on here, he could explain, as a neuro optic scientist, exactly why you can see the line better when your eyes focus on a three dimensional object it can then follow the three-dimensional turn. Exactly. I think it's, it's, it's a simple concept that is fascinating. I, I want to, uh, when you come back in town, when you come back in to do the podcast, I'm going to introduce you to my good friend Josh Myers, who, has, who owns uh, a company called Fantastic Turf, and they do... Uh, artificial turf all over dallas and a lot of the homes he does he puts in these putting greens yeah and these putting greens they can use your product to practice the visualization and realize probably how your brain will just naturally see that exactly and follow it
3: yep that's the concept it's it's high tech to be honest with you you know to your point Yeah, you know, the 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 inventor of callaway's triple track was a uh was an opt opt. Opto uh, something. Yeah. Ophthalmologist, optometrist. He yeah. was,
1: was totally an ophthalmologist. He scientist. <laughs> <Yeah. And> he, <laughs> he had eyes. <laughs> he, had, he, had, he had a lot
0: of brains.
3: <laughs> and he did, a, he did, a, uh, he did a, a clinical study on on three-dimensional view and the use of the three lines, just because it's more than one, one thing that you're I looking at. I love it. Yeah.
2: I think it's so simple yeah. and it's so complex. And like I said, if you're a neuroscientist, and you can <clears throat> sit there and explain this, but...
1: So if yeah, if you're yeah, if you're a golfer, this will definitely be in the show notes. Yeah,
2: and we're going to do a whole one on golfing. We'll have Jim Furyk on the show. You um, promise? I will invite him, I all promise.
3: Right. <laughs> I will, he he loves coming to Dallas. And so. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to need a couple of those to give
2: to my buddy Josh so that he can give it to his Highland Park clients.
3: No question. That, uh, I'll bring a handful of uh, samples for everybody. Yes, yes. I love it. We'll I love And we'll go it. play around the golf and you'll see that your strokes are going to be reduced considerably. Oh, I love it. I'm a uh, um
2: What's my handicap now? 42. Golf. Golf,
3: <laughs> golf is your handicap. Yeah, golf is my <laughs> handicap. Yeah. We'll get you into single digits, That's
1: horrible, I but
2: quite funny. That was good. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs>
3: well,
1: uh, I can't thank you enough, Ray, for making time to come and share. I mean, seriously, share some of the coolest cutting-edge technology that's rolling out. I think it's going to be a game-changer for the benefit of all GI patients. I think this is a really, really cool direction, and I'm glad that you... Uh, came to share with us. It's really awesome.
3: Thank you.
2: Yeah. You know what? Thank you, everyone. If you have any questions about this, if you're concerned about whether you need a capsule endoscopy, as always, hit us up on the Gut Check Project, and we will continue to discuss this. This is what we're trying to do, bring cool, innovative stuff on. A great guy like Ray, That has devoted his life to this and golf, which is cool.
1: (laughs) Definitely. So uh, be sure to like and share. Thank you so much for joining us on the Gut Check Project. We will see y'all next time. Take it easy.
0: That's a wrap for this episode of the Gut Check Project, and we appreciate you for being a part of it. Be sure to follow us on your favorite platform for podcasts. You can find the GCP on Locals, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Rumble, and more. And you can always check out gutcheckproject.com to find all episodes and interact with the show. Tell your friends and family not to wait to get Gut Checked.